Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Wyrick, along with Kevin Haswell. We have guest Tom Robertson on the show once again. Kevin, how you doing? Doing pretty well. You know, I'm excited for this All-Star game uh, this weekend. Matt and I are obviously going to make our own All-Star picks today, so... No, I'm excited. Let's uh, get this show started. Yeah, we're going to draft our own NBA All-Star teams and compare rosters uh, to see how we would stack up with Team LeBron and Team Steph. We're going to change rules a little bit in that any player is draftable considering the injuries and everything like that. Uh, we're just going to put them all on the board, all the All-Stars, and go from there. So Tom is going to be our draft coordinator. Um, we're going to go ahead and flip a coin to see who picks first. Kevin, heads or tails? Tails. He's got tails. Never fails. The flip is up. And it's heads. Your boy Matt has the first pick, and I think it's a no-brainer. I'm going to be going with LeBron. LeBron. Uh, It's Team LeBron. Oh, I get what you're doing here. All right. You got LeBron. I got LeBron. So, obviously the greatest player in the NBA this season. Um, Not necessarily held as the MVP right now, but is still undisputably, you know, the heart and soul of the Cavaliers. Bron, Bron. Bron, Bron. The, the guy, uh, NBA, the face of basketball. So, LeBron will be my first pick. Kevin, you're on the clock. Give me Kevin Durant, Durant. a.k.a. the second best player in the NBA, a.k.a. better jump shot than LeBron. A.k.a. the Durantula. A.k.a. Team Kevin's going to win. I, you know, I got to go with Durant. I mean, he's seven feet tall. He plays shooting guard. He's got a terrific three-point shot, and I think he's just built for this all-star game, so... Give me Durantula. I am going to have to go with the other captain in Steph Curry. Uh, bring him onto the squad. A LeBron Curry squad just in itself already looks to be, you know, one of the greatest of all time. So, I mean, this is, you know, two MVPs right. on his name. Uh, that's already six MVP awards on my team. You've got one. Uh, I don't know how you're going to be able to stack up, honestly. All right. Uh, start the clock. I get 20 seconds. I got to think this through a little bit. Um... Yeah, you're done. James Harden. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, I just don't think they'll miss a three the whole game. Um, you know, what Harden's been able to do passing the ball this year, uh, this year and last year, um, in the new system has just been terrific. And, I, you know, I think James Harden's a great addition to this, uh, <coughs> to this team. And, you know, he's more of a utility player. I can play him at both point guard and shooting guard. So, you know, great pick. All right. Well, now that I'm back on the clock here, I'm going to have to uh, go – down low, Carl Anthony Towns, Ooh. the best center in the game, in my opinion, right now. Cough, cough, trust the process. Uh, had to pass up Embiid on this one, um, simply because Towns is in the midst of a career year. Yes, Embiid. Um, what about so Embiid, bro? Heart and soul of that Sixers team, but I got I got to side with Cat here. Um, one of the best defensive presences um, in the paint. I love to debate that one day. I think I think that Embiid is clearly a better center, but. We'll, you know, we'll move on. We'll move all right, on. all right. Kevin, you're up. Ooh. How can you leave this man on the board? I know you're talking. Anthony Davis. Oh. 
Oh. Best power forward in the game. Uh, you know, I think, you know, what he brings defensively in the lane um, and, and his three-point shot and just, you know, the unibrow, I think that's an automatic yeah, win. In terms of facial hair, Kevin's got your team pretty much swept. <laughs> the beard and the brow. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I got the chef, so we're all right. We can we can cook a few uh, meals over here. All right. <laughs> Your boy's got to... Uh, or, you know. or pour a glass of wine for LeBron. Did you hear about that? <laughs> I did hear about that. The obsession with uh, LeBron and, LeBron and wine. Wade. Plus he loves to wine on the court, so... <laughs> this is why you're not drafting him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Robertson coming in. All right, all right, all right. So I've got myself a small forward, a point guard, and a center. I think, you know, I'm going to lean power forward here, but he also plays small forward. Giannis, the Greek freak Ooh, himself, that's huge. Um, bringing him in. Well, he could come off the bench. He could go alongside LeBron. These are guys who both, you know, are ball dominant players. But to have, you know, them two attacking on the wings, um, driving in the lane. I mean, that is one of the best pick and roll uh, situations Dynamic. you could ever ask for. Dynamic there. So I'm getting arguably the fastest player in the NBA, Russell Westbrook. Ooh. I think he'll provide an up and down in an All Star game. Uh, he's won an MVP in an All Star game before. He also is AKA the tryhard, so he's definitely going to play hard this whole game. I expect him to set up, you know, the beard, the brow, and Durantula with great shots. I'm going to go with Russ. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to stay in the Western Conference here. I need a shooter, somebody I can rely on. It's going to be Clay Thompson, uh, undisputed, one of the best shooting guards in the entire NBA. A very good two-way player. Um, so I've been able to, you know, not a lot of defense gets played. Um, in the All-Star game, but if i got to rely on anybody to lock down a defender, it's going to be Clay Thompson uh, outside the arc. See, in the All-Star game, it's huge to get rebounds. A lot of missed shots, a lot of shots taken. I'm going to go with the best rebounder in the NBA, Andre Drummond. We're not missing a board all game. Here we go. All those three-point shots by Durant, the Beard, the Brown, and Russ. Going to be rebounded and thrown back out by Andre Drummond, a.k.a. Braces, a.k.a. Best re- rebounder in basketball. Even though you went against him last time, I was on the pod saying, "Yeah, no, but but hey, on this team he fits well because he's a bunch of shooters." That's true. Name name a good shooter on the Pistons. You can't, so he's not a good fit. All right, continue. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to you know make sure that when when Chef Curry steps off the court, he's got somebody reliable to step in for him. Going Kyrie Irving, uh, the face of the Celtics this season. Uh, one honestly could be an MVP candidate if you were scoring more points this year. Uh, I think that you know Kyrie has absolutely changed the entire culture of the Celtics and made them a true threat in the East. Um, and so I need a leader like that. Already has played with LeBron before, but not like you know in a great setting. But I think that you know this is this is I'm feeling good about my roster. All right, so so you're starting five. So Kyrie is your sixth man. Kyrie is my sixth man. Sounds good. All right, so hmm, this is tough. Tom, I need some advice here. Do as a sixth man, do sixth I go man. with what you pick one of these three guys, and I'll decide whether I want to do it. Or not. I like PG thirteen. PG thirteen, Jimmy Butler, or Joel Embiid. It's either the process or PG thirteen, bro. Well, you know what we say. I mean, he's more. You know what I say at the end of every courtside take: trust the process. Oh my. Joel Embiid. On the squad. Huge. 
You know, it's already an injury risk adding to your team. I'm not sure if he'll be able to make it's it to one all game. four quarters. It's one game. <laughs> it's not an 82-game season. We're up. It's 48 minutes. All right, all right, all right. Well, you know, I've got myself, you know, somebody in the backcourt I can rely on. i got to go front court now. You've taken Embiid off the board. He would have been my next pick. Um, but I think I'm leaning toward – man, this is tough. But i got to go LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, you know, really had to step up for the Spurs this year, uh, especially with all the injuries that team has been dealt. I think that, you know, he's one of the most dynamic scorer on that team, uh, somebody who isn't afraid to post up when he needs to, um, but also can provide a very solid defensive presence. So, Aldridge, welcome the team back. Aldridge. Eldridge or Aldridge? Because I'm pretty sure he's been saying Eldridge. He's been saying oh, Aldridge. That's a losing mentality right there. Um, let's see. My team's nice. Uh huh. So Joel Embiid's also off the board. Let's think this through. Kemba Walker, trash. Oh, don't even go at my man. I don't want Oladipo either. Um. Oh, what? This isn't even a question. Give me PG thirteen. Hundred percent. Coming to theaters this Sunday. <laughs> Let's get it. PG thirteen. You know, one of the best three and D players in the NBA. Really giving the, a Thunder a chance to win that Western Conference this year. I really like what he's doing out there. Um, you know, in the market, going to get a max contract this offseason. He's going to work for it in this All Star game. Give me PG 13. All right. Well, there. Don't watch this one. Bruno <laughs> guidance suggested. We don't have another center on the board at this point, so I'm going to have to go small and pick Al Horford, uh, the number two player on the Celtics this year. Um, kind of underrated in a lot of senses because Kyrie gets all the attention uh, in Boston, but Horford has been an integral part of this offense, especially um, with all the injuries, um, especially with Hayward out for the year. Uh, he's really had to step up, and he has done so uh, for each of the past two years. So, Horford, you're my guy. Going to go with the exact copy of PG-13. I think, you know, Jimmy Butler is about as close as it gets to Jimmy Butler, or to Paul George. I think, you know, in, the, in this All-Star game, it's going to be huge to have great wing players. I've accumulated some of the best wing players in the game of basketball with PG-13, Jay Butt, Durantula, the process. I mean, you just go on and on. I mean, the wing players on my team are unreal, and I'm going to win this game because I get Jimmy Butler and PG-13 and back-to-back Come picks. off the bench. Off the bench. There you go, Tommy Rob. Yeah, all right, all right. Well, you know, we've got a lot of point guards on here. Um, which I don't need. I'm looking at shooting guards, going back and forth between DeMar DeRozan and Bradley Beal, and I think I'm going to have to pick Brad. Partial, partial homer uh, here being a Wizards fan, but Wall has been out for two extended stints this season, and he's really had to been the guy. They actually just had a 27-point comeback, the biggest in the NBA this season, last night in which Beal scored 36 points. So he has been the guy um, for the Wizards this year. Very deserving in an all-star spot. I was very glad to see that he earned a nod, um, and he is on Team Matt. So I'm arguably add the best defending wing in the game of basketball with my next pick. Also, best trash talker. Draymond Green, money man Draymond Green is going to bring that trash talk to my team, that defensive presence. He's going to give the referees a hard time the whole game. It's going to be great. Give me Draymond Green, a.k.a. last year's Defensive Player of the Year. All right, all right. Well, since you left him on the board and I don't have an option at another small forward at this point, 
DeMar DeRozan, welcome to Team Matt. Going back-to-back shooting guards on the team. Oladipo, yes, up there uh, on my fantasy team this year. I've been very high on him all season. Um, but I've got to like what I've seen out of DeRozan leading the Raptors to that top spot in the East right now. Um, he has been on fire, and I honestly, you know, I, I can't turn him down. I picked DeRozan. DeRozan. Okay. He wrote Oladipo on the board. Yeah, dog. <laughs> there you have it. This draft continues to be a joke because Matt just left a top five, top top seven uh, point guard on the board in the NBA. Ar- arguably one of the best all-star game players um, you- you'll see. I think he's going to put up a big performance this year. Got to go with Damian Lillard. What he provides from behind the three-point line, uh, you know, explo- probably the, one of the best explosive scores at the point guard position in the NBA. Got to go with him. I mean, you go up and down my lineup, you get 20 points, you get 25 points, you get 30 points a game from all these players. Uh, I mean, a game that's going to be 165 to 160, that's what's up. Plus, he's got mad bars, so if a cypher breaks bar. out during the middle of the game, you're Yeah, if Draymond wants to get on the refs, then D. Lil's just going to come over and spit a rap real quick. Exactly. Man, I didn't need to go high on a point guard at this point. You know, I, I've, I needed my shooters. I had Kyrie and Chef Curry. So, feeling good about my point guards, but, you know, you got to have a third stringer and a guy who... Very deservedly so, was added as a reserve. Goran Dragic. Yes! Yes, my guy on the Heat. Um, kind of uh, underrated in a lot of senses. Doesn't get a lot of publicity, having been on a, a team that you know has been a contender in the East, but you know toward the bottom. Um, really making the Heat relevant this year with Hassan Whiteside's injuries. Um, hasn't really been able to see the court all that much. And when he has, he's had a bit of a disappointing campaign. So Dragic, welcome to Team Matt. So my next pick, I'm going to go with the heart of the team right here, the, one of the toughest workers in the NBA. Uh, you know, went to the uh, national champ, won a national championship at UConn. Kemba Walker, what you know, what what a great player. I mean, he brought his college career. I mean, just shows the heart of this kid. He's bringing the Hornets back to the playoffs this year. I think you know, along with Draymond, he really brings leadership role to this team. And you know, I like Kemba Walker so. Mark him down. Team W. Down to AKA, the last two. AKA Team wins. Oladipo and Lowry. Who's it going to be now? I'm going to have to go with Oladipo here. Oh. Uh, breakout season. Um, really, you know, uh, you would think that the Thunder would almost want him back after dealing him over the offseason. Uh, absolutely had, you know, an expanded role in the offense and was able to take advantage fully um, Indiana, in Indiana. Uh, so, got to go with my guy, Oladipo. And last, but certainly not least, because he should have been picked last pick, Kyle Lowry. I'll go with him. One downside, I didn't. I think me and Matt both didn't pick him because I just don't think he's an All Star type player. Um, I mean, he's an All Star caliber player, but in All Star game, um, you know, you've seen in the playoffs the last couple of years, shot about twenty percent um, in playoff games. So really, not a big game player. But you know, surrounding by by all the stars I have on my team, I think Kyle Lowry is going to break out. And you know he's gonna get that ring. He's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be that Robert Ory sits on the end of the bench, gets that All Star game <laughs> ring real quick. And I like my squad. I wouldn't. All right, so game. we'll post this. We'll post game. this uh, roster on Twitter, and we'll see what you guys think. Um, but Matt's gonna announce the official rosters in a uh, little drum roll. All right, all right, all right. So Team Matt, the number, the five starters walking out to the court at point guard, the Chef Steph Curry. Whoa. At shooting guard, not to be forgotten in any sense whatsoever, the fellow warrior, Clay Thompson. That's small forward. Are you going to do this all for 12 players? No, I'm doing, it, I'm doing it for the starters, and I'll list off the rest. 
At small forward, the greatest NBA player to ever grace the court. That's right, Michael Jordan. You are looking at the face of the National Basketball Association, LeBron James. Bron I don't Bron actually think that. I just wanted to make it a hype intro. Um, at power forward, he's Greek. He's tall. You can't pronounce his last name. Antetokounmpo. Tom just did it. Giannis! Antetokounmpo. And of course, the center, tallest man on any basketball court, Carl Anthony Towns. That's not true. My shooting guard's taller than your center. But... All right. We'll and, then, that. and then the rest of the squad, we've got Kyrie, Lamarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus, how does that make you feel? Do you want to play hard for Team Matt and I mispronounce your name? <laughs> Al Horford, Bradley Beal, DeMar DeRozan, Goran Dragic, and my guy, Victor Oladipo. <laughs> Kevin, your squad. At point guard, the 2017 NBA MVP, Russell Westbrook, did try hard. The try hard. Number two, the guy who finished second in the 2017 MVP voting, James Harden. At three, MVP early in his career. Score, Multi-scoring champion, Kevin Durant. The Durantula. Power forward, give me that brow, the unibrow, Anthony Davis. And then number five, the center, best rebounder in the NBA, the braces, the kid, the Andre kid. Drummond. And then we'll go down the rest of the roster. Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Joel Embiid, and Kemba Walker. What wow. a squad. What a squad. We Vote on Twitter. Vote on Twitter. We will be posting this on the official Pure Sports Network Twitter account. Uh, be sure to vote and to let us know who picked the better team. Uh, and we will be tuning into the All-Star game this weekend to see you know, which of these players would have done better. So, Tom, what is your verdict? Well, for what it's worth, I'm going to have to give honorable mention best nicknames. To Kevin's squad by Landslide, the Durantula, best nickname in all of basketball. I don't care what you tell me. It's Kevin Durant, the Durantula. The Beard, James Harden, Fear the Beard. The Unibrow. Uh, I mean, even like a little bit of improv. The Tryhard, I don't think he's actually called The Tryhard, the process. The process, PG-13. Parental. It's, it's not, parental guidance is suggested for this one. I mean, watching the man play is filthy. It's going to have to be censored for this All-Star game. So... In that regard, I'm going to go Kevin. Overall, team-wise, honestly, it's a close call. I'm going to have to go Kevin as well. I think he got the more explosive offensive players. Uh, his team's going to put on a show. So, See, that's, here's that's my, here's my thing. Go. Here's my analysis on these rosters. Sure, you probably have the better starting line. But it's very close in starting right line. Here, right here. I mean, this I is mean, what's holding you thing. back right here. here well, that's, let's just circle the whole bottom of that screen. Yeah. Because my thing is once the bench mm-hmm. benches come on the floor – you know, Draymond Green, Paul George, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, oh, yeah. Damian Lillard. Uh-huh. Like, God, that could be a starting lineup in the All-Star game. I yeah. mean, it's it's over. Call me Team LeBron, even though I don't have Team LeBron, because Team LeBron's going to win the actual All-Star game. When it game. comes to the bench, I think we have two clear motives here. You went with best players over the past few years. You know, the guys who have been established. I'm going, you went with Al Horford. I went with career years here. I think that these players are playing better right now. And that's going to give me the edge in this I like Beal. I like Beal. Ah, thank you. Got all of the whiz, kid. All right, well, that's going to do it for our all-star segment. The game will be up this weekend. 
Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to my man Bradley Beal in the three-point shooting contest. Uh, and there's no Zach Levine in the dunk contest, so we should be seeing some new faces there. Donovan Mitchell for slam dunk. It's unfortunate. Let's get the goats back into the dunk contest. Make the dunk contest great again. That's what I'm saying. Make the. You know what? That's our hashtag. That's a pure sports Network <laughs> official podcast. Make it's, the slam dunk contest great again. It's ridiculous because. It, it's it's a great event to watch, but when you have just bums in there, it's it, it's unfortunate to see. All right, we're gonna stay in the NBA um, just for a little bit. I wanted to talk the Utah Jazz. They have won eleven straight um, after grabbing another dub last night. Currently tenth seed in the West, so not even in a playoff spot. Um, but considering they, you know, eleven games ago. They were 20 or 30 minus 28 is uh, 19, 19 and 28, and they are now 30 and 28. Um, quite the rise for them. Um, this has really been, you know, kind of out of nowhere. Losing Gordon Hayward was big for them. But, okay, what is their ceiling this year? I mean, obviously, they're riding high going into the All-Star break. You got to think that second half, they're going to, you know, work off of that. How far can they go in the playoffs, and what kind of seed do you see them getting? I think at the end of the day, they'll probably get that eight seed in the West. I think they're much better um, than the New Orleans Pelicans, who Matt was pretty high on earlier this year. I just think without DeMarcus Cousins, uh, that team's a lot worse. I mean, they basically traded DeMarcus Cousins for Nikola Mirotic because they lost Cousins and then gained Mirotic. But, um, you know, I really like what I've seen out of uh, Donovan Mitchell this year. I think, you know, <clears throat> we'll talk about this in a little bit, about the future of the Utah Jazz. I think they have a really bright future. Um, Donovan Mitchell this year, I mean, let's see, he's averaging 19.6 points per game, 3.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 2.9, 3.5 rebounds, um, you know, he's shooting 43% from the field, what an athletic freak, I, I really like what I've seen out of him, I was pretty high on him coming out of the draft last year, I thought, you know, he had something that you can't really teach, and that's, you know, terrific athleticism, taking it out of Louisville, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, I think he's going to lead this Utah Jazz team to the playoffs, but unfortunately, I see them losing in the first round. I mean, if they're the one, if they're the eight seed and they slide in there, they play the Rockets or the Warriors, probably the Warriors, and that's just not a great matchup for them. Um, but you know, I really like what I've seen on this team, and it's a cool story. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the better front courts in the NBA. Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors uh, both playing. Uh, really well this year. Gobert, of course, dealing with injury, having to kind of you know work his way back from there. But you know, since he's averaging a double double, Favors is still over seven rebounds per game and a block per game. Um, but you know, the guy not a lot of people talk about is Gobert, uh, among the better centers. When he's on the court, he you know player efficiency rating of nineteen point seven, which is you know above average, um, averaging over two blocks a game. Uh, and and a, a double double in itself is just. You know, while playing 31 minutes, very impressive. Um, he doesn't get talked a lot, but I definitely think he deserves some recognition and has really been, you know, since coming back from that injury, has kind of been, you know, the driving force in this winning streak. Um, and he's as integral as any player on this team. I mean, uh, you know, Favors having to step in for Gordon Hayward um, after he left. I mean, you know, obviously not a small forward, but kind of being that, that second guy um, on the wing and, and, and driving to the lane. He's stepped in well, and he's been very healthy, started all 55 games he's played in this year, um, and averaging over 28 minutes a game. So, you know, he's been he's been 
uh, a very dominant force for them. Um, and I expect, you know, good things out of the, the rest of the regular season. I think, you know, it's going to be something to hang your hat on after losing Gordon Hayward to free agency and still to make it into the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're going to make it out of the first round. Um, but as far as their future goes, I think they're in a pretty good shape. Absolutely. And what I'd what I like to say about this team is defense wins games for them. And that's what they've been that, – that's been their staple over this win streak. Only two games allowing 100 points or more. Every other in that eleven game win streak, so nine games holding the opponent under a hundred points. The entire league, they're fourth in opponent points per game. So that's been the story of this team all year. They've been able to uh, prevent the other team from scoring. They don't have the most explosive offensive weapons, but when you're playing that sound team defense, that can bring any team success. And that's that's what's been going on with the Jazz right now. Yeah, you know, I, I really like the way that Joe Ingles is playing as of late too. Um, he's been terrific on both sides of the court. I mean, this season he's averaging almost 11 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, and really doing it all for this team, all while shooting 46.6% from the field. Um, like Tom said, I mean, this team's thriving on defense right now. They arguably have the best defensive center in basketball, um, which Matt already talked about with Rudy Gobert. Uh, he, he's been terrific. But, they're, you know, they're fifth in defensive rating and 14th in offensive rating. Um Sorry, did I say defensive and offensive? I felt like I said offensive twice. Well, fifth in defensive rating, 14th in offensive rating, and you know Donovan Mitchell, great two-way player, um, and you know I, you know the tenth right now in the Western Conference, but I could easily see them moving their way up into the playoff race, and you know you, you got to hats off to Quinn Snyder what he's done with his team and the way they've drafted because you know Donovan Mitchell wasn't a lottery pick, but. Um, they got him at the right time. And, you know, a very underrated move uh, that happened over that all-star, I mean, over the trade deadline, was Jay Crowder being traded to Utah. In the three games since, he's had an expanded role, uh, playing four more minutes per game and averaging, uh, going from 8.6 per game with Cleveland to 14.7 already. I mean, obviously a small sample size here, but it's clear that, you know, his shooting percentage, uh, he's taking already two more threes a game, um, being able to, you know, work around with that offense, not having to, um, uh, you know, he's still a rotation player, probably not going to start for them, but I think, you know, coming off the bench, Drake Crowder can be very, very valuable. And, you know, this is, I think that was a great move for them to acquire him. Yeah. You know, they, they, Jay Crowder is one of the best two-way players. I wouldn't say one of the best. He's a good two-way player. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's the same scenario we talk about with a lot of these trades. It's the new, um, you know, what would you say? The new, not the new, I don't know where you're going for here. Changing franchises sometimes can turn your career around. Mm -hmm. um, so you know him changing and you know going uh, to the Jazz might revitalize his career a little bit. I mean, twenty nine minutes a game and averaging fourteen point seven—that's not the offense we saw out of him in Cleveland. But he's obviously turned it around. Um, he he can be one of the best defenders in basketball. I mean, a couple years ago uh, he was leading the NBA in steals about thirty games into the season. So you know I really like him. But they did have to give up Rodney Hood in that trade. I think Rodney Hood, you know. While you get more defense out of Jay Crowder, you lose some offense um, that Rodney Hood would have provided. But, you know, they, they they wanted to go the more defensive route. I mean, you saw that when they traded for Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder and they decided to keep Jay Crowder but get rid of Derrick Rose. Um, they got rid of Derrick Rose because he just doesn't play good enough defense, and this team thrives on their defense. So, um, you know, I, I think they can make a deep run, but a deep run, a.k.a. make the playoffs. But in the playoffs, I think they lose in the first round. But... You know, I, I think we can all agree hats off to Quinn Snyder and, and the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have him locked up for next year as well. So uh, this wasn't just a, a win-now move. They are looking toward, you know, next season. And 
Um, they, they don't plan on making any lottery picks. They're clearly going for it, uh, trying to make the playoffs. Um, and, you know, hats off to them. I think they've been doing a great job turning things around. All right, well, that's going to do it for our NBA section. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to that. We're going to go ahead and switch gears to NHL, and we're going to let Tom take the lead here. Um, Olympic Games going on right now. Winter Olympics, we you know we don't have a section on it in Pure Sports Network, but uh, can't hurt to talk about it a little bit, especially since it has to do with hockey. Um, the fight between the Olympic Committee and NHL is already having consequences as the U.S. lost to Slovenia in its first game. Of course, the U.S. is without all its NHL stars, such as Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews. Kev, uh, Tom, does Team USA stand a chance in this Olympic Games? I mean, you know, having lost so many stars, while there are certainly other you know countries that have lost stars, are there enough amateur players from America that are going to be able to you know carry this team? I think the biggest problem with this with this U.S. team is chemistry. They've pulled from so many different leagues. I uh, pulled from the KHL, college hockey, Czech leagues, and just leagues from all over the country and or all over the world. But what you see with a lot of other teams, like uh, a Slovakian team that's in their group, is that most of their players are pulled from the same league in Czech, in uh, the Czech Republic. And that's going to give them more chemistry. They've played together. They know each other's styles. But this USA team, only had, they only had six one-hour practices before starting the, starting the games. So it's just – you could see it while they were playing. They, they started off hot. They had energy. But – as the game went on, they were just a shell of themselves in the third period, and they didn't know how to play together. They were sitting back. They allowed Slovenia to completely dominate the game, and I think when you say have a chance, I don't think they have a chance at the podium. There's no way. Even when NHL players were allowed into the games, they've only been on the podium twice since 2002, so I don't see anything good coming out of this team, and anything good coming out of NHL players being barred from the games because, I mean, it's been a horrible look for the NHL. That's that's the biggest thing about the Winter Olympics is being able to watch hockey. That's always the main attraction for the games. And now it's just a bunch of no-names out there. The only player that you can name on the U.S. team that people would recognize is Brian Gianta, who's nearly 40 years old, and he's got a 1,000 of the NHL games of the 3,000 on this team. So I don't think it's good – for ratings, that definitely hasn't done anything good for this U.S. team. And I'm not sure that they'll be able to get out of their group, honestly, because they have Olympic athletes from Russia in their group who have guys like Pavel Datsuk and Ilya Kovalchuk, huge names in hockey still, even though they're not in the NHL, biggest stars of the of the KHL, Russia's league. Uh, you look at a team like Slovakia, they're going to have a lot of chemistry and a lot of guys that play in the same leagues. Slovakia is always well-known for producing very good hockey players. And then Slovenia, which was the dud of the group, supposed to be the easy win, but they've already taken a loss there. So they're going to have to find a way to learn how to play together and learn how to play a full 60-minute game if they have any chance. They, they should only need to win one of these other games, um, and they could possibly still get out of the group. So it'll be interesting to watch, but I don't have high hopes. Now, there's talks uh, that the Olympics are not going to be letting the NHL in next Winter Olympics because they're saying, you know, you can't pick and choose when you're going to participate. Right. That's our decision. And if you're opting to not send your players now, we might hold them, you know, not let them play in the next one, too. Do you see that happening? And do you think that would have bad consequences or that would brush back on the Olympics themselves? I think it's, it's a fair thing to say from the Olympics. I think that... Um, 
Ultimately, I think it's a bluff because I think it would be, again, horrible for NBC and the Olympics to withhold NHL players from participating. I think if they have the opportunity to have them, then they're going to have them, no, no doubt about it. But I think it's a smart thing to come out and say if you're the Olympics to try to hold the NHL accountable a little bit because, like you said, it's ridiculous that they can just pick and choose like when they're going to allow their players. I The primary reason that they're withholding the players is because it would require – a 17-day break, I believe, uh, in the middle of February, which is the biggest time for ratings in the NHL. Football has just ended, and Major League Baseball has yet to begin. So it's a prime spot for the NHL, and that's why they don't want to just put the league on hold for their players to go uh, play in the Olympics. But, again, I just don't think – I mean, we all know these these uh, big-time professional leagues are money-making machines, but I don't think it's fair to the players to not allow them – to have to – Make them choose between are you going to play for your team or are you going to play for your country. So, again, I think it's a smart move from the Olympics, but they'll have the players if Gary Bettman and the NHL smartens up and, and allows them to go. Yeah, I mean, the MLB has a similar situation, not you know in the heart of their season, but the World Baseball Classic goes on during spring training. Of course, we had that last season, um, and it affects a lot of players uh, in their, you know, how they get prepare for the season. Um, I know Tanner Roark. Um, one of the pitchers uh, on the Nationals having to, you know, he, he didn't pitch very much in the World Baseball Classic. And so the Nats were kind of miffed that him and Daniel Murphy weren't seeing playing time and weren't getting that work in that they need before the start of the season. So MLB goes through something similar, albeit not about ratings, more about, you know, player, uh, just players just being ready. Of course, there's also injury risk, too. Um, and, you know, if the NHL isn't surveying, you know, being able to, you know, enforce their rules on players like, you know, um, check like, you know, checking fines and, and all that kind of stuff. I think that you know gives a lot of uncertainty. So I certainly see why the NHL did it. Um, it's it's you know the only people that are really not benefiting from this are you know well nobody's benefiting from this, but the people that are being hurt the most are the fans and the players, um, and that's just you know they have no say in it, which is the worst part of it. Exactly, and there's been a lot of talk uh, about another NHL lockout on the horizon, and I think that these kind of issues with the Olympics are only gonna accelerate that possibility so it's it's unfortunate and again especially for the fans there's people there are a lot of people out there that are actually saying it's good for the fans and good for not the nhl players but the the players that are now moving into the roster there's more amateur players from other leagues around the world and we have an interesting article in the nhl section about that pro not letting nhl players into into the game it makes some compelling arguments but i am definitely not on that side i I'm a huge hockey guy. Love it. Love the sports. My favorite sport, even more so than hockey or than football. I grew up a Redskins fan my whole life, but I didn't even watch this first game, USA Slovenia, and because it's just like there's nobody interesting. There's no compelling storylines. There's no players that I've even heard of on this team. It would be even more interesting. I love watching the World Juniors because you see those prospects from the NHL. You're going to be seeing them in the league, but with with just a bunch of no names from other leagues across the globe, it's just not a compelling game to watch and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I think it, you know it's a big problem for the NHL because I mean they're in the middle of their season right now. How would they Tom let me pose this question. How how would they let NHL players play? I mean, I know people w- would rather them play because you want to see players you know out there like you said more storylines, um you know, definitely a better team out there, but you know, how could they make that happen? Well, they do like I said they do the the the, the break. They put the season on hold, a 17-day Olympic break. And it is, it's unfortunate. That break is. is so, what's the point of them going on an Olympic break if 
They're not going to play in the Olympics. Why won't, Why wouldn't they just continue their season? Well, if they're not going to play in the Olympics, they do continue their season. That's okay. That's All what right. I mean. But so the seventeen day break is on. I mean, on its face, it's not a, gr- a good thing for the league, obviously, and even for fans of the NHL. Because that's a really long break to have, especially in such a critical time of the season, coming into uh, right before the trade deadline and right before uh, things start to heat up for playoff contention. So that it's not a very practical thing. But again, the Olympics are only once every four years. It's a very special opportunity for for guys to be able to play them. And with careers being so short with injury, you know, the average. I'm not sure this number for hockey, but average NFL career is only like three years because of things like injury and. Just being it being so competitive, so for it to be only once every four years, it's a very rare opportunity for these players to get to represent their country in, in arguably the most important event, definitely the most important sporting event in in the world. So, I just don't think it's fair for for one man, Gary Bettman, not a love man. It's hard to be a love man as a commissioner of a professional league, but for for one man and for one uh, NHL committee to be able to decide the fate of these players and whether or not they can compete in such a special event. But on the flip side of things, would the NHL be able to convince the Olympic Committee to move the Winter Olympics to, say, December? Is that something that's, you know, feasible for the Olympics? I mean, uh, this is is one North American sports league, you know, telling the Olympics, you got to move your entire ordeal up two months. That doesn't seem like it's very feasible on the other side of things for the Olympic Committee. That's not feasible at all. What's more feasible is to have the Olympic break. it's, it's 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 not the perfect situation for the NHL. But it's doable. It's been done in the past, and I don't see why they can't just continue to do it. It's only once every four years, 17-day break. Why not? We still get quality hockey if they send the players to the Olympics. Well, what so. if they had it coincide with the All-Star break? Is that something they already would do? Well, the All-Star break is only three or four days, so mm-hmm. it's not... Well, yeah, but at the same time, if you make those in the same, like you're not like having two breaks throughout the season. You put the All-Star break in the middle, you know, have your All-Star game maybe at the right. end of the Olympics. Well, here's what I don't understand is that a new thing in the NHL is, it's been a, it's a thing in most other leagues, it's a bye week. They've added a bye week for teams, and it was not, very, it was just before the All-Star break. It was about a week before the All-Star break where the, every team went on a five to seven day break. It varied for, for certain teams depending on other scheduling, but it's absurd. This is only the second season that they've had it. So why not just scrap the bye week for years that they have the Olympics and then let the Olympic break serve as that bye week? That's what I see as the most feasible scenario for the league, uh, for the league to do. Uh, but they're, very, they're, they're stubborn. And I think there's other things at play besides just the, the TV time and the ratings during that Olympic break. I think it's also the fact that the NHL does not benefit. They can't advertise on NBC during the Olympics. They can't benefit. They can't advertise the Olympics during the NHL broadcast. But, so I think there's just a lot of different money uh, aspects that are going into this that it's it's really just comes down to a greed from the NHL standpoint, in my opinion. I wouldn't necessarily see it as greed just from, from me. I mean, like, you know, from a business perspective, this is a massive loss of income that they're you know, losing, you know? And so I, I understand where the NHL is coming from. I understand where the Olympic uh, Committee coming from. I see why they're butting heads. Um, for me, I think that, um, there can be some kind of deal hashed out here, um, that they're just kind of both sides are being stubborn, you know, we're doing it our way, we're doing it our way. And they're at a, you know, I think they both need to kind of compromise a little bit and that would, right. you know, come to a resolution. Mm-hmm. But until that happens, like I said, the real people that are losing here are the fans and the players and it's right. just, you know, not fair to them. And the one thing, one more thing I do want to say is again, it, you're right. It does come down to two organizations, butting heads, probably 
stubbornness on both sides. But I think what the NHL has to understand is it's time to step back a little bit. It, under, I understand it's a business, but step back. It's something bigger than yourself. The Olympics is something much bigger than the NHL. It is much more important in terms of getting the best athletes from across the world to come together, put everything else aside, and just play sports, let the fans enjoy it. Uh, and the NHL just doesn't have the – they can't see anything else besides their, their own business, which I guess is fair, but I, I don't think it's fair. The players make the league. There's no NHL without the players, so it's it's they're hurting the players but with this decision, and I don't see it as right. Well, that's going to do it for our NHL segment, Tom. Thank you for the insight. I know we haven't been able to bring you on to talk hockey before, so glad you were able to uh, spread the expertise. You can check Tom out on his podcast, Outside the Glass, on Friday afternoons, along with Katie Harper, our other NHL analyst. So, once again, thank you, Tom. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and shift gears to college basketball, um, had some big upsets that we talked about uh, last episode, and now with Villanova losing um, last night or two nights ago, um, they, you know, their que- their their ability to take a number one seed is now in question. Uh, so I want to go through who your four number one seeds will be uh, in the upcoming March Madness. Kevin, we'll go ahead and start with you. Who are your top four? So this is going to sound insane. I think Villanova doesn't make the. F- doesn't make the top, uh, get a number one seed after their loss last night. Um, given Providence is a pretty good team, they get coached up pretty well. I, I still think Villanova. I, I just can't give them. More, I mean, they lost to St. John's last week and they lost to Providence this week. I think back to back weeks with losses, you can't really be a number one seed anymore. I think they slide to the two line. I like UVA as the number one overall seed. Um, you know, I, I see last week a uh, tough loss against Virginia Tech, but Tech's also going to be a tournament team as well. So not as bad as Villanova's loss to. Um, you know, St. John's and, and Providence, like I said, uh, we debated this on the last episode, uh, who, is, who should be the number one seed, and it ended up being Virginia. But beside the point, I got Virginia as my number one overall seed. Very close. I think Michigan State's got the same shot for that same number one overall seed. I really like what I've seen on Michigan State this year. Uh, Miles Bridges, or yeah, Miles Bridges has been, you know, amazing. I mean, Bridges is... Uh, you know, six eight, six nine. He just provides such a scoring aspect. He probably should have gone in the NBA last year. Decided to stay at Michigan State, and what he's been able to do for this or this Spartans program. Um, and you know, I have to give hats off to the Michigan State program um, and Tom Izzo just because they have all the speculation, the outside outside the lines report, all of that. And, you know, through all of that, they're um, twenty four and three this year, first in the Big Big Ten. I mean, major props to them. I think they're going to be a number one seed. Uh, and then I'm going to go with two teams out of the uh, city of Cincinnati. I go with Xavier, who's 23 and three. I think you know they've really showed um, under head coach Mack this year that they they deserve to be a one seed. I mean, playing in the Big East, you know, playing with teams the likes of uh, Butler, Villanova, um, Creighton, some you know Providence. I mean, I really like this Xavier team. I think they can go far in the tournament. This is a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. Uh, I think they. Yeah, they should deserve a number one seed at this point in the season. And then I'm going to go with the other t- the team on the other side of the city of Cincinnati, and that is Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. You know, what uh, Mick Cronin has been doing there this year has been insane. I really like Washington. I, I like their whole team. And, I mean, when's the last time we've seen two number one seeds from the same city? I don't think we have. So that's a pretty cool feat. And, you know, props to all four of those programs. I think Purdue's sitting right outside there. Um, and same with Texas Tech. I really like Texas Tech. They've won seven straight games in the Big 12, one of the toughest conferences in college basketball. 
but I still think they're sitting on that two line. And another team that's really getting close to a one seed if they continue to win is Auburn. I really like the way they're playing. They beat Kentucky last night, um, and you know I think I believe they're eleven and two in conference play. So I really like what I've seen out of them. But I think right now, you know, Virginia, Michigan State, Xavier, and Cincinnati are my four number one seeds. Matt, what about you? Well, for me, I mean, I think UVA and Michigan State are two teams that we can, you know, pencil in right now. They're they're clearly depending a on class. what happens in the in the tournaments. Of ACC course, of course, yes. Exactly. Um, but I, I think them two are are pretty much locks at this point. Villanova's loss certainly um, causes you know uh, a big a big shuffle here because you would have thought you know Villanova would be a lock just up there with Michigan State and and, uh, and UVA, but now that they have that third loss, um, that makes gives them. Um, the same record as Xavier right now, and two teams being in the same conference, they face off on Saturday. So I think the winner of that game um, is going to go a long way to determining um, Xavier and, and uh, Villanova. Yeah, the winner yeah. of that game on Saturday. Game. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the season that would be one of the best games this, this year? I did. Well, you know, Kevin Kevin can see the future. But um, I think I mean, the winner the winner of that game, it's going to tell us a lot. Uh, Xavier about was an Elite Eight team last year, and Villanova won the national championship the year before. So, I mean, yes. you, you look at that game and mm-hmm. you think there's potential. But um, I, I think the winner of that game uh, is going to be, you know, the better team. Obviously, Villanova won earlier this year. Um, but fun fact, Providence beat both of those teams. So, uh, while they're not ranked, they have, you know, they might be a, a fringe playoff team, like, perhaps. They have nine like losses, Providence. but, um, you know, maybe they can get in as a, a 15 seed or something like that. Um, but an, another team that we don't, we used to talk a lot, but um, kind of hit a rough patch uh, was the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, have dropped two straight to Michigan State uh, and Ohio State, but both losses were either, uh, they lost to Michigan State by three and Ohio State by one. Um, and prior to that had been on an extended winning streak uh, dating back to November 23rd um, when they dropped back-to-back games against Tennessee and Western Kentucky. So uh, this is a team that I think if they win out and do well in the conference tournament, they could certainly uh, be deserving of a one seed. Um, you know, they, I've been back and forth on them. I picked them to go very deep last year. I had them as a final four team in my tournament bracket. Um, and I, I like what this team has to offer. Um, so I think that, you know, if Villanova, Xavier, Cincinnati, especially if Cincinnati maybe hits a rough patch, I could easily see Purdue making their way, uh, into the top four. Yeah, I really, you got to go back to Cincinnati though, because, you know, they're playing in the American conference. I think it's going to be really tough, um, for them to struggle down the stretch. I think, you know, they're going to cruise, um, through, through the American. I mean, the only other team, uh, that they have that's good in that conference this year is Wichita State, so. Um, and Wichita State, that's their first Ooh, they have American. to play twice yeah. uh, to close out the year. Exactly. So, so but, um, you know, it's going to come down to the American tournament. If they win the American uh, conference tournament, I think they're obviously uh, a one seed. But if they don't win that conference, then it really opens the door for per- t- the likes of Purdue, Texas Tech, and some of those other teams. Tom, what are you thinking over there? Uh, definitely got to go with UVA as the number one overall seed as well. Best defense in the country, and... Um, there are still a lot of concerns about this team. You saw what happened in that Virginia Tech game. Uh, they they had a cold stretch of sh- from the from the three point line, from the field in general, shooting like twenty one percent in the first fourteen minutes of the second half. So that cannot happen in the tournament if they want to have success. Uh, we've seen it happen in the past against Michigan State a couple of years ago in the tournament, where if they come up dry shooting. There can be a big problems even with that defense. But I like them as the number one overall seed. Uh, and who I like as the number one seed, you guys have been talking about them uh, to maybe make it. I think they will absolutely emerge at the end of this season and come out as the number one seed as Purdue Boilermakers. I think that the schedule that they have remaining 
uh, should easily allow them to come out uh, with no more losses. Wisconsin, Penn State, Illinois, Minnesota. I think that they can easily uh, sweep the, their upcoming games. And it's the quality of their losses that they've had. Again, just like you talked about, Michigan State and Ohio State, a couple of top ten teams. Uh, suffered a loss to Tennessee earlier in the season. They were ranked about 18th when they played them, a really solid Tennessee team. They got one suspect loss to Western Kentucky in the beginning of the season, but not a terrible team out of Conference USA, uh, second in that conference. And definitely could have been, there's worse losses out there that some of these top teams have suffered. So I think that their strength of schedule has been one of the toughest uh, in, in the country. And they get it done on both sides of the ball, ranking top 30 in, in points per game and also opposing points per game. So I really like that Purdue team as well. I think Michigan State is also going to secure a number one seed. And for the fourth one, I'm probably going to have to stay with Villanova. I think they'll end up still uh, coming away with a one seed, even, even despite these uh, that last loss. So kind of off topic, some breaking uh, news here in Pure Sports Network. The Cavs' salary cap could jump to $308 million next year if LeBron decides to opt into his contract. Thoughts? Uh, they're going to be in some financial trouble. Luxury tax for $308 million in the NBA would be $150 million in luxury tax. Can they afford that? Most likely not. Um, they'd have to be... Really uh, managing salary. They're gonna cap. have to. It's It's a contract. I mean, they have to pay. Well, they'll have salaries. to pay him, but they they can trade the other guys. You know. Yeah. And that's what they're probably gonna have to do. <laughs> that's insane. I think. I think honestly, LeBron would probably opt out and renegotiate. Right. Um, that would make the most sense if he really wanted to stay in Cleveland. I mean, he would understand the financial burden he'd be putting on them and probably backload a deal, um, or, or or something along those lines. Um, you know, provide incentives or things like that. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's a devastating number, but I think that uh, I don't think he's going to opt in the contract, even if he does stay with Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 150 million dollars in luxury taxes. You know, 150 million is probably more than a lot of teams have in their normal salary caps. So that's that's insane. Um, but you know, we always find a way to talk about the Cavs. I'm just going to say <laughs> they look a lot better, even though they're spending a lot of money. They do. Well, that is going to do it for this latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to vote from Team Matt on Twitter. Uh, you know, Team Kevin overrated by all regards. Um, but we'll be sure to have that poll up soon. Um, don't forget also to follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net. To like us on Facebook, Pure Sports Network. And go to our web website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Weirich. This is Kevin Haswell, joined by Thomas Robertson. Tom, thank you for joining us. Kevin, Absolutely. any last words? Trust the process. Go Nats. All right, thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one. Go Caps! Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.